0: welcome everybody to the first episode of season two of without regret the podcast today my guest is joy and um joy has so many different things she could share with us but the main reason i wanted to have joy on is because she's a huge inspiration to me like professionally um you know health wise especially on my new health journey that i'm on and um but she's also overcome a lot of things in, in her life, too. I've known Joy since high school. We, we hung out briefly in high school and then reconnected, what, about five years ago or so? Right before. Metamum. Yeah. Minimum,
1: minimum. yeah when, it's, been, it's been longer than what we
0: think. Yeah. True. It has been. You're right. Um, mm-hmm. But we both ended up moving to the Denver area. And yeah. it was kind of cool that we had each other here when we first got here. That's right? Don't see me each other much anymore, but you know, we got boyfriends and dogs <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> real adult lives. Exactly. Real. And we're not just playing, playing adults anymore. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm so excited. Ah,
1: thank you. No, thanks for having me. I'm actually excited too. Thank you for the introduction. That was very nice.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. All right. So are we following what do you want to talk about? want to just jump right into the- um...
1: I, I did look at your format. Uh, I know the preference is to follow the format, so we can, we can follow the format. Well, I know you did the- end- I mean,
0: we can. We don't necessarily have to because I think okay. some, some of what I really wanted to get into the meat and potatoes of with you is just mm-hmm. your whole, you know, the way that you're so successful with knowing your worth- and professionally, how you conduct yourself with, you know, your career. And, you know, I really do look up to you in that way and really kind of want to talk about that because, you know, yes, you've definitely overcome obstacles. And I think we should definitely Mm -hmm. talk about that. Um, But I think a lot of people can benefit from hearing, know your worth, don't be up, Ask for what you want, that type of stuff. That's right. So that's kind of yeah. the direction I was hoping to take this, but we can okay. go wherever wherever the conversation leads us.
1: Yeah, no problem. So I'll let's just start with knowing your worth. And I guess the question is, is how how do you even know where to begin? Right? Or is it or when did it even strike me to make to take this into consideration, right? About knowing your worth. And a lot of it just stems from my career goals when it comes to what do I want, what do I want to achieve? And then some of that goes back, Tammy, into you know, your values and and things that you find important for a job. So a lot of it just started building on top of one another. I mean, uh, for your awareness and your audience awareness, you know I have a lot of um, opinions on college. Am I college educated? Yes, but only, but it took me like 10 years just to get an AA degree. So to me, that doesn't mean that I'm not, I can't be successful without a college degree. I also wanna be very clear that not having a college degree has never prevented me from getting a job. Now has it probably uh, left me out of consideration for jobs? Yes, but have I still been able to pursue a career in, in my field? Yes, but does it mean that I've had to do it probably um, the long way and the hard way? That answer is probably also yes. But, um, but it still comes from years and years ago, wanting um, to be the best at what I do. That is just, that's something that's just like natural. It's an instinct. I think a lot of us must have it, but most people, right? It goes back into just about everything else. It still has to be disciplined. It has to be something you hone. It can't be something that you ever that ever falls in your lap. You have to constantly push, push, and push. And and then one of the so one of the arenas that I think also contributed to knowing your worth is also um, wanting to be uh, to get out of Jacksonville, where you and I are both from. Um, And then I had professional goals where I wanted to live and work abroad. So a lot of those were just uh, goals that were kind of pie in the sky for a long time. They felt like pie in the sky. So uh, it doesn't mean that it's not successful. But for many years, uh, I started writing down uh, my goals on just these huge pieces of paper and taping through the walls, right? Whether they were personal or professional monthly goals, personal or professional um, yearly goals. And a lot of people don't necessarily have a yearly goal. uh, I don't think of, I want to increase my salary by 7% or I want to increase my salary by 10%. This is a problem and especially among women. And if you start reading, um, and I'm not a feminist, And I'm not against feminists, but I also, uh, you know, there's, but if you start looking at corporate America, you will realize that there is a complete um, separation between what men and women make and how much harder it is for men and women to pursue their careers because we're typically the homemaker. So, you know, again, for your audience, I do have two kids, they're grown now, but, you know, I was also in Pivotal parts of my youth, because I had my son at 26, of where, you know, you're now full-time, single mom, right? You're college, trying to go to college, trying to uh, figure out what do you do with your career. And I can tell you at 26, you're not really certain. You just kind of, things happen to you along the way. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of sort of accept it because you're also juggling new motherhood and and all the other stuff. So I don't think. And, and again, I'm going to make this all tie together. But I don't, I don't really feel like I thought about my worth when it came to a job when I was in my 20s. I was just so happy at probably some point because it sounded so great that you're making like you know back then 30,000, 35,000 sounded like so much <laughs> money, especially when you were making it on your own. And uh, but again, so I think I was just happy with what was happening to me in in a way even though there was still a desire to, to, to do more and to strive for more, people don't, um, people don't really help guide you along the way, right? But one of the ways that I got started, Tammy, was all of the courses back then that were being offered at a company, I took. You know, at the time it was uh, Excel or Word or my, any of your Microsoft Office products, just to gain that knowledge. And at some point I started taking programming, programming courses because I still wanted to be more than just a receptionist, because at some point in my career, I started out as a receptionist. Um, I was answering phones and I, wa- I still knew deep down I wanted to do more. Um, but then you had to ask yourself, well, how, how do I do more? And, you know, the simple answer, a- answer without having to pay a ton of money out of pocket was to leverage what your company offered um and so then it just it it just kept building on through the years but especially as i got into my early 30s then you start thinking about right because now you're at a company you're full time and you're subject every year annually right to your annual review which includes hopefully a um a, an increase which is based off a of merit <laughs> or or um I say merit, They companies try to say that it's not, but right, it's merit or, or f- favorable or who, whoever is getting promoted that year, right? So whoever's up for promotion, remember, you're not going to get a huge increase and you're not going to get a promotion because they already know this a year in advance practically. Um, so, but before you learn all these things or understand the inner workings or the behind the scenes workings of what happens with management and HR, trust me, because now that I've seen it, those conversations start happening a year in advance. But when I was younger, uh, you know, you're waiting for that, for that annual raise to happen or bonus. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, and you've given so much of who you are at your job, and then you're getting like these three or 4% raises. So you have to start, if that, and so you have to really start asking yourself, how do I make more money? How do I get more money? Right. And, and, and I don't, again, not being a college educated was not a limitation in my mind. It was more or less how, but how do I get there? How do I keep climbing this proverbial corporate ladder? And so as I started, you know, looking around even within the city of Jacksonville, you know, when you are when you start to job hunt, because I had uh, worked for numerous companies, uh, one, of the, one of the major pieces of advice that I can give to, to you, to your listeners, it's what I gave to my kids, is that you don't become an expert in something unless you're doing it for at least three, four, five years. And so people are also not gonna wanna pay you a ton more if, you're only, if you only have the knowledge for six months or a year. So it, it all goes back to like honing a craft as well. You can't be flip-flopping and jo- around in jobs, that would be a big no-no, if you're doing separate, um, if you're honing in on different skill sets each time. So I can say that I've been honing in uh, and developing and working a skill set that's all related. Uh, for many years. And so now I'm considered, you know, an expert in my field, uh, but it can still be challenges when it comes to knowing your worth, sticking it out. Mm-hmm. And so kind of coming back to that, you know, again, my number one suggestion is to always take the courses, right? You should always build on a skill set. Um, a- and I've heard this uh, again, I can preach it. I can't necessarily, I can't say I've practiced it every year. Um, there is some value in, in this statement, but people should learn one new uh, skill or craft every year, whether it's you're taking an advanced Excel class or you're taking an advanced Word class. I mean, something that keeps um, you uh, where people can sh- uh, see and it shows on your resume that you're actually you know uh, doing something that is building onto your skill set every year the other thing I think, that, I think but the
0: corporate world calls that lifelong learning <laughs> right
1: but the only thing that i want to caution you or anybody else on is make sure it, it's something that matters i've taken lots of courses along the way that are like leadership skills for women and i think they're okay you know and that might be all right but i've taken other courses that people don't care about right and mm-hmm. so at some point I was doing something the other day, Tammy, even at work, um oh, I know what it was because i'm I'm currently going through some issues where you're just not you know, you're not I'm not feeling a sense of accomplishment uh, because everything's a fire drill. But what happened is is I made a comment to someone the other day, but it was actually there's a lot of truth in it to where, yeah, doing this isn't uh, building isn't adding a skill set to my resume. And that's another thing that people need to think about. It's like, is your job? Are you able to tie accomplishments, right, or an hour uh, increase a skill set or add a skill set onto your resume? I mean, a lot of us don't. I know there's a lot of what I do that's not glamorous, but you have to also think about it like that too. You know what what accomplishment you know can I add to my resume? And I think about this now all the time, specifically because when you're in the job market and when you're looking, it's not just understanding what your worth is in the cities and states, because I'll I'll talk about that too, but it's also understanding does this skill set also add value to who I am as a person? Putting together spreadsheets doesn't really add value to me, like nobody who cares, right? So you have to think about are you honing in on a skill or are you building a skill that actually also contributes to your value? And and most people don't even break it down like that. So when you start building out a resume or talking about the things that you know, I can assure you, and even though I I made a comment about adding uh, a skill set to your uh, resume every year, but if and I know I even gave an example of even an, an advanced Excel class. Now that might work for somebody who is an administrative assistant, right? That's going into another administrative role and they need to know how to be do VLOOKUPs. Yeah. But for me, uh, I don't need to know how to do v lookups. I mean, I do, but you know what I mean? Like, a- As a program manager saying that I can... I am now advanced at VLOOKUPS. No <laughs> one cares, right? Because it doesn't apply to what my major role is, you know, my major function is as a contributor. So you also have to think about it in those terms. Are you adding value to your major skill set? So my major skill set is uh, I'm a program manager. I work for city. Uh, I've been in the technology side for a lot of years. Uh, technology, I don't know, it's like 25 years. So, um, but at doing, you know, so again, you have to think about how, how does that, if I, if I go into the market or if I go into LinkedIn, I'm going to be looking for roles that align to my, my niche, which is a technical senior program manager, Um, I'm also doing some other things, but let's just keep it to the crux of, you know, a a major skill set that I have. So, again, if I'm building on to that skill set or adding to it, which would also add value to me when I go out into the job market, you have to think about those things as well. Um, So, again, most a lot of what I do is a a more of a soft skill set. I wouldn't say it's a hard and fast. I used to be a project manager. So as a project manager, I did need to know project, Microsoft project, and I had to work in there. Um, But again, it's, um, you know, you you have to understand the tools that you need to know for your role versus the tools that you don't. So as a project manager, yes, knowing project and some of those tools that are associated to a project manager would work, but knowing word it's not adding, you know what I mean, to my skill set as a project manager. So people also need to to make that distinction. Um, but again, as I was back into my 30s, uh, you know, again, uh, one of my major goals was to live and work abroad, which I did accomplish. Um, but at the time, you know, I had no idea what. Um, what the conversion was to euros, what the, you know, what I would have been worth in Frankfurt. Um, So I just kind of accepted, even though I got the job offer, I just kind of accepted everything that was happening to me. Um, But then somewhere along the way, as I was moving and then you're talking, and I think this is what had happened because you have to talk to other people. And women especially do not seem to talk as much as men. I can tell you right now, My boyfriend uh, talks money and dollars all the time. It's a very manly thing, apparently, that men do. And they don't think anything of it. Right. For whatever reason, and this is my opinion, because this is just what I've seen uh, with the people that I tend to interact with, is I don't find that a very common trait with women, uh, which we it's, uh, it, it feels like a taboo subject. Uh, again I don't know why I don't know if it's uh, women are competitive or um, if it's egos I have no idea men are very ego driven in a lot of arenas of their lives but when it comes to other things they just throw it all out there you know it's just like they just gut themselves and it all hangs out and nobody cares and they all move on with life. Women are different and um, so we don't tend to talk about that with women, but for whatever reason, and I don't remember anymore who these conversations were being had with. Uh, and by the way, it's cultural because I also just recently learned that colleagues in India, when people are going through uh, their bonuses and and like everybody knows everybody's bonus and and uh, mm. practically what what they're making. So also some of it is cultural. Mm-hmm. So they apparently don't have an issue that particular Culture does not have an issue with discussing bonuses and salaries. Why is that? Uh, it, it's, some, it's a lot to their benefit. Uh, I was talking to a manager, maybe not to his, because as he's going into another conversation with someone, they already know what employee C is making that's sitting three doors down from them. So if they're not getting a bonus that's in that same range, they wanna know why. Um, so again, that goes down to the manager and I don't know how they work through those conversations, but like I said, that culture tends to talk about it, but, you know, again, in the U S women, we don't seem to talk about it as much women in other cultures as well. I've lived in Germany. I don't remember ever talking about anybody's salary, let alone bonus. Um, and that, you know, and again, I don't know why, I, I don't know why it is, um, But I have had those conversations. And as I started looking to move back abroad, um, guess where I was going? I was going to New York. Well, I started figuring out and learning along the way that Jacksonville, Florida, has a much different page structure than where I'm aligned to now. I'm aligned to, and I did this on purpose, I'm aligned because now everything that I'm walking you through, I'm now the, I now understand. And so I purposely looked outside of Jacksonville when I took my current job. um, And and now my corporate office is in Tampa. And that pay structure is actually different than Jacksonville, which is, but it's still different than uh, New York. Mm -hmm. So as I was moving to New York, um, I now had a little bit more information. And, um, and, and, and so one of the things that I started doing, even at a young age, and I'll say in my 20s, because I remember this distinctly, um, was counter offering a job offer. And I don't know why we're all so scared to do that, too. I don't know if we're scared for people saying no. um, But I, you know, now being 48, I can tell you that If you never ask, you're never gonna have an opportunity to hear the word yes. So it's okay to hear no, because you may hear yes. And I'd rather stick my neck out for it to be chopped off in hopes of hearing the yes than I do now that I'm more afraid of hearing no. Another book that I read along the way, Tammy, was something, was the advice, uh, and I can't remember the name of the book anymore, but the one piece of advice that that has stuck with me whether it's for jobs or relationships, is never be afraid to walk away from the deal, you know? And it's like, and if you're uncomfortable walking into a room, there is a, there is a sense to fake it until you make it. Because a lot of times people think I know what the hell I'm doing, or I'm talking about, or, I, you know, I, can, I have this pre- presentation and it doesn't mean I'm feeling this way on the inside, but there's a lot, right, going on that's a lot more stoic on the outside. But but that job offer, I remember one time learning very y- um, young and in my 20s is I was offered a job. I, I don't remember the salary, but I remember distinctly asking for $500 more on the annual salary. And they came back right away and said, yes. And I was so excited. Like, I felt like I
0: had won something.
1: You know what I mean? But then I think- Now you're like, what- I should
0: have asked for $5,000 more. <laughs>
1: So then that starts planting seeds along the way. Yeah. Okay. And then as you start getting into management um, or being exposed to management or managing people, you start getting exposed to, and this is probably something else that helped me along the way. You start getting exposed to what other people make. (laughs) And uh, what, what I've realized is that You can have a lot of people in the same role, but they're all making a variety of a different salary. And so, again, these are things that I didn't know. I had no exposure into. And so as you start realizing, wait a minute. And this can be within the same city, not just outside of your city. Mm -hmm. This is when you realize that a job carries a huge range, right, between a minimum and a maximum salary that they can offer within that range at some point, and I don't know how these folks determine it, but at some point they're making you an offer. um, And most people don't realize that they are actually expecting you to counter offer. (laughs) And that's something a lot of women and I didn't do for a long time. Most people don't counter offer. And, um, And to be honest, I have found that counter offers I have offered now more than in excess of five to $10,000. And believe it or not, at minimum, the 5,000 is at least accepted on the annual salary. So, but a lot of times now, and I think I learned this too, as I was going into the uh, back into the contractor market, and is that people automatically start out by asking you, what's your salary? What's You know what I mean? They're always asking, what's your salary? And I'm like, damn, how do I know these things? And so again, as I was migrating into New York, and even though I was a full-time employee with uh, another company, I had to start thinking about, well, what is a fair New York salary? And even then... Um, I don't necess- I don't believe I still asked for what I should have, specifically because I got caught up in my relocation package, which was act- was very nice. So they offered me a really nice reload, a one month uh, bonus when I got on. So I really didn't think about it too much. But about six years ago, when I decided to leave corporate America as a full-time employee and go and start out as a contractor, that's what I'm saying to you, is that everybody asks you as a contractor, what's your, what's the rate? Now you'll get called from contractors all over the place, but there are only a lot, meaning all of many different states, but the rate that they're looking for is, or the answer that they're looking for is only aligned to where the location is. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I started doing is, um, when I was looking, is understanding where the job location was. Now, pre-COVID, we had you had a lot less opportunity to work remote than you mm-hmm. do now, um, and and. And so now that's a different conversation because remote work and location are almost two different things anymore. But back then you had to understand where the location was. And then you start going on places like Glassdoor, LinkedIn sometimes advertises it. So instead of giving a base salary, which I have thrown out the window these days, I don't do that anymore. Um, because a lot of times um I'm also trying to get a feel for their max. Um, So there's a lot of times when, you know, and you start learning this, the more you interact with recruiters with a contract company. The first thing I'll ask is what's the rate? And then they'll come back with something. They'll come back with an answer. But if you reply back specifically with um, what's the max rate, they'll come back most of the time with a new number. And most people don't realize that, you know, all of this is, it, it's all a negotiation from the, from the get-go. Um, I remember, uh, So you, so again, you have to know by state and by city what your rate is for your particular role. So a lot of it is just about doing the recon. Uh, a lot of times now for my role, when I'm looking for a job, I, and I know you and I just spoke about this recently. I give a range mm-hmm. and it's probably a range that has a $25,000 swing and, uh, and that's it. And now most people, you know what they say to me? they're like, okay, that's fine. They don't. They don't negotiate every now and then you'll have someone negotiate, but they'll let you know right away if they can even fit you in that range. I no longer give a bottom line dollar amount because otherwise they stick to that. Right. My range, because it goes, you know, because it has such a a swing, you never know where they're going to start. So that to me now, so really kind of the summarization is talk about it, right? Talk about it with your peers. Don't talk about it with someone who's not in your area of of, um, of expertise. What's the point? Because, I, you know, you and I do two different things. We're We're going to be talking two different salaries. We're in two different locations. Now, if you had somebody who was a program manager wherever you worked, Who align closer to me and my skill set? I'd obviously want to know, you know, out of curiosity, what's their range. But again, how you approach that is uh, much different because people become, they like get uh, uh, nervous. They're like, "Why are they asking me this? Why do they want to know that?" And then all of a sudden, they start aligning it to their self worth. And again, I think that all goes back into you know some our our egos and how ego driven our society can be. Um, because it doesn't necessarily... I'm not looking to save the world. If I, if I wanted to save the world and I was going into social services, I would fully expect my salary to be 70 grand or 60 grand or whatever they make. We know that they don't make much money. Um, so who cares? Um, or a teacher. We all know teachers don't have great salaries, but they're in it for the reward they're getting from their job. You know, they, You never hear a, a teacher going into their profession um, or a person going into the teaching profession, talking about their ticket, they're they're there to get rich. Yeah. (laughs) So you also have to understand, you know, what you're getting in into something for. I've been doing this so long now that I, I'm not looking to start over a career. Uh, I wish I would have because my boyfriend, as you know, I mean, he's a, he's an entrepreneur. He makes like four times my salary. I mean, someday, and he'll tell you, I work harder than he does. So some days you're thinking, my gosh, you know, why not just go, go, go do that. It seemed like it'd be a lot easier, but the thought of having to start over, right. Cause I'm an expert in my field. I've been doing, you know, been in this for 20 years. That part also to me is, um, not a thought I'm entertaining, you know, I, I entertain for long.
0: Well, I think Um, entrepreneurs make a lot of money too. I mean, they're assuming a lot of risk too. And Mm -hmm. with big risk comes big reward. (laughs) So how much risk are you willing to take? You know,
1: exactly, exactly. And so, but he's also been doing this for 10 years. So Mm -hmm. he's an expert in his field. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to, you can't look, you know, again, it's you have to know your worth also based off of your years of expertise. I, you know, as a program manager or technic, you know, doing what I do, I would, you know, I would not like to think that someone, and again, this is why you always have to keep your finger on the pulse because I've been, I've been in, the, in this industry and I've been doing this for 20 years or more. And I was 21 years old when I started in corporate America. I've been working my way through the ranks uh, all of that time. Um, I've also been, you know, I went to school, I've been taking classes. So I wouldn't think that somebody with two or three years of experience, because a lot of what I do, again, it's soft skills. This isn't, it's not prescriptive by the book. You have to understand how to navigate scenarios that they'll never teach you in in college. I've even, you know, I started taking even um, prep courses for PMP, you know, that the P, even the PMP for project managers deals with, um, they call them artifacts, you know, they'll, they, they deal with um, different phases, but the problem, once you get into something for so long, you start thinking about how it relates to the real world. And that, and and so you always have to, <laughs> Watch for those scenarios, but I you, just because somebody has their PMP, and again, that's why I don't necessarily I like certifications. The technology driven world is very certification heavy, and it does tell you that yes, you can do all these things. You know that you're certified to be at let's just say PMP as a project manager, but it doesn't mean that if you've never had any experience, you know how I'm going to hand you a ten million dollar budget and say, good luck you've got your certification. It doesn't work that way. You still have to have on the job training. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, again, I, I, um, I'm I, not saying my approach is the most favorable because it's taken me a long, long time to get here. But um, I can say just from, um, you know, people really just need to take into consideration a lot of things when you're talking about your worth, like I said, your uh, what education do you possess? How long have you been in the, uh, your area of, I'll call it expertise or the, you know, the area you're trying to develop. Again, I know my area of expertise is uh, program management, but it doesn't mean that I can't take on other tasks. But when you're applying for a job, you have to be very specific on the actual accomplishments you've had in your main area of focus. So when I am talking, when I am, talking uh, about my accomplishments on my resume, it is not for the little things that I'm doing, right? That are these ones, because we all wear multiple hats, it's not for these little things that I'm doing, is to talk about my overall contribution um, as an individual that possess or possesses the experience that I'm bringing to another organization. And that's what they wanna know. You're, another organization wants to know what value you're bringing to them. Why do I want to hire you? I know it sounds cliche, but that's the truth. And so in order to stand out, you have to really list uh, accomplishments that you have um, successfully managed um, as an individual contributor, mostly. Because a lot of times we can say we, but you have to be very careful of that, because we means are you a leader in this role, right? right? And we, even though it signifies that you are a team player, well, they want to understand, they meaning hiring, you know, companies, they want to understand as an individual. I'm not hiring a we, I'm hiring you as an individual. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very, very clear on that. And once you can really hone in and be very crisp and detailed about how you bring, you know, which contributions you bring or you would bring to a new company, you know, again, it's all about understanding the city, the state, um, your years of experience, and then really kind of gelling and molding that all together to understand your overall value and worth. And
0: quantifying it. They want it quantified (laughs) somehow too, not just you know, Hey, this is what I do, but I, that's right. The bottom line by X mm-hmm. by through, you know, doing X, Y, Z on this project. That's right.
1: That's right. Did I save,
0: um, you or know, save, did you, right.
1: did you save money? Right. All companies want to know, can you save me money? Can you can generate you me me money? money? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I want you to make it. I want you to save it and save saving money can be anything, right? This is where uh, again, just kind of going back into my business, did I uh, create something that saved the company? I don't know, three FTE, which now equates to 200,000. And I, I don't know, I'm just throwing out numbers. Or did I uh, take up a, a process that took five minutes to run and now all of a sudden it's uh, 90 seconds? And so again, to your point, you have mm-hmm. to be able to quantify something on, a, on your resume without giving away exactly all the steps she took to get there. Because guess what? This isn't, this isn't about copyright laws. They'll steal it. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, and there's not enough room on your resume for that. No, I have a question. What is CV? I keep seeing this all over the place. I don't even know what a CV is. I know it's like, it's like a resume, right? But what does it stand for?
1: I think it stands for uh, curriculum vitae. Uh, I'm going to look it up now. But a CV is what they uh, what they in other countries, other than yeah, uh, America,
0: call a resume. Okay, that's what that's what I thought. But I was like, what does CV stand for? Like,
1: is something? I think it's called um, curriculum. I'm going to look now. <laughs> C- yeah, curriculum uh, vitae. Hopefully I'm
0: pronouncing that right, but it's Latin. (laughs) Gotcha. Thank you. Um, so for someone like me, because I think I struggle with this and I, it's probably, you know, as a woman, I think a lot of women do struggle with this. Where do you start? Like, you know, I, my career path has been, you know, a lot of things I just fell into. And and a few years ago, I decided, you know, probably 15 years ago, because it took me 15 plus years now. Gosh, I 18, 19, 20, 20. Oh, yeah, five that's years right. Ago, I got my degree. So that's it took right. me like 15 years to get my bachelor's. And um, yeah, remember that. So it's like, um, I still don't feel like I have taken full advantage of my opportunities. You know what I mean? Like I I took the job that moved me here, didn't work out, wasn't really what I was looking for anyway. And then just panicked and ended up where I am Mm -hmm. now. And not to say that I'm unhappy with where I am now. Um, I'm, you know, certainly an expert in my field now, but that field is Mm -hmm. not the field I went to school for, (laughs) not (laughs) the field I want to be in, you know? Yeah. So I have, I feel like I do have plenty of opportunities in the field I'm in now Um, Mm -hmm. but my, I have a reputation in that, you know, in this industry, within this larger company, um, you know, that I could take advantage of opportunities there, but that's not really where I want to go. Well, I'm not saying I wouldn't want to leave the industry or the company, but not continue doing what I'm doing now. Right. Um, And I struggle with listing those accomplishments and quantifying them and it's, I know they're there. I know they're out there. So where does someone start?
1: So where does someone start with, how do you quantify your accomplishments? Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you what we do now and then I'll tell you kind of what I did in the past. So okay. one of the things that I leverage now Uh, And and this is the easy, and it's an easy answer. So for me, it's a short one currently because my management team cascades goals every year that have a quantifiable metric associated. (laughs) So that one has become a little easier. Uh, What I just listed on my, um, I was about ready to call it a CV because I do (laughs) interchange CV and resume to work with people all over the world is, Um, so those goals that are cascaded by management that have a number, right, which makes it quantifiable is what I now put on my resume, but for, um, stuff in the past, before I was, before I did this and before I had management that cascaded it, uh, that one is, oh, you know what you need to do? So everything that we do, and, and people don't always see this, because I'm on the technology side. Uh, but I started getting exposure about about five years ago because I've been with city about five years. But my first two years at City were with this team um, where we put together monthly st- these steering decks. Within the deck, it was funny because we started asking questions like benefits to the project, okay, you will not, you'll be maybe surprised, maybe shocked. I know I am because I do this all the time now. I ask project managers. So I use this now in my conversation. I even have it in the project description. What is the benefit of this project? What benefit does the client see or will they receive when you deliver this? And a lot of times these project managers, they do not know the answer. You want to know why? Because they're also one of the reasons is because they're not involved in the conversations where people are putting together what's called a book of work and and money. So everything you do, even today, Tammy, somebody has said, I want this done. I want you to deliver this because you're in technology. So at some point they want you to deliver something. But have you ever asked why or what's the benefit or, you know what I mean? Or, or do we just take it and say, okay, I'm going to get it done. Yeah. The problem is, is we're not asking why we're doing something.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
1: is um, to our detriment. Because I used to say when I was a BA, when I was a BA, I figured out as a, as a business analyst uh, years ago, cause I I've gone through every process. I I did uh, computer programming for a short while. Moved into a BA, project management, program management, and then you know where I am today. But um, <clears throat> when I was a BA, I also figured this out, and is save examples of your work. Okay, I know people talk about it being proprietary and some other things. Uh, I won't get into the ethics conversation, but <laughs> but. Uh, as a business analyst, people wanted to know at some point, I was like, what sets me apart in an interview? You know, just saying I'm a BA means nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I Everybody mean? And I interview me as a it. BA. Right. But, so, but how does it give them something personal about me? So I have, so there's a couple of things that I've even walked into interviews with. I know a lot of times we have virtual interviews now. But let me let me make this point too about interviews. I always, uh, a couple, every couple of years, pay someone professionally to help me do my resume. Um, I do it because I pay for the uh, cover letter, I pay for the resume, I pay for a thank you letter, um, uh, and then for them to help me with the, my LinkedIn presence. I think everyone should do that, by the way, every couple of years because they also have you fill out a document that helps lead you to the answer. Gotcha. But going back to your question is, is we need to ask the questions when we, when people are handing us the work, it's not going to hurt anybody's feelings to say, what am I doing this for? Granted, maybe worded a different way. So people don't, so people think you're actually, you know, you're not just waking up to your job, (laughs) but you know what I mean? And they're like, Oh, welcome to, you know, welcome to our company. But you know, people need to ask what you're doing this for. What's the benefit? You know, and if you don't realize, if you don't understand that, then that's a problem anyway. But but they're going to tell you, oh, well, when, once you deliver this, same thing. The customer is going to save 50% of their time. They're, you know, or they're going to save money. There's nothing that prevents you from saying, from highlighting that as an accomplishment once you deliver it. Right. Granted, it is not an accomplishment until you deliver it. But when you're if you're in technology, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But so everyone should think about think about it in those terms. Even if I was a waitress and somebody said, what did you accomplish tonight? Besides saying I've survived my shift. You know what I mean? Like there's a because I've waited tables. So I don't want to leave this conversation just for folks that are in the technology industry, because I think you can you can apply this everywhere. Yeah, even totally. if you think it's quantifiable, you know, um, associate it to your sales,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Uh, so, as a waitress, you know, a lot of times we get encouraged to upsell, but there is a tracking because you know, I if, unless things have changed, but you know, you have a number, you have a number in the system, you can you can see what your sales are day over day, week over week. So again, there's something quantifiable. As a you know, as a server at you know Joe's Barbecue, you know I I contributed to you know I don't know two thousand dollars of sales a night you know on average something. Mm-hmm. So you can always find an accomplishment for every job that you're doing, whether it's again, and that's how because I've had to write help people write resumes actually for people that are have only held a job as a waitress, then people are like well. I, how is this going to transfer over like life skills or soft skills? But it does. You're talking to people every day. So you're in sales and marketing. Remember, I mean, th- you have to kind of almost get a little creative. But as a waitress, you're in sales because you're selling food. You know, you're marketing products. You're, mar- you know, you're representing the restaurant. You know, you have quantifiable numbers there, right? It's not just about I'm a waiter. You have to really understand, you know, how to take what you're doing, regardless of what it is and associate, um, like we said, some quantifiable um, metrics to each bulleted um, item of what you do, Mm -hmm. you know, so.
0: That was a good question. Otherwise don't list it. I've asked that question to people in the past, not, on the podcast or anything, but, you know, I've asked people in the past that question and I've never had an answer quite as, uh, as good as that, you know, I think that was a really good answer. I just want to tell you that.
1: Oh, that's okay. I mean, you know, this is, this is why we're sharing because you Mm -hmm. never know what's going to come out of my mouth. (laughs) Could be brilliant and may not be, but you know, we're going to, we're going to reach for the stars.
0: Well, I just wanted to kind of summarize a little bit what I'm hearing you say. Okay. And in overall, you know, I love the detail that you went into. I absolutely love that. I think that's was needed, but I do want to summarize overall a couple of things that I'm hearing. And one of them is um, don't, you know, cause we both did this. We let things, ha- you know, our careers just were happening to us, not Yep. we weren't dr- the drivers of them. So, mm-hmm. and I've said this before in a past podcast that you need to kind of take the bull by the horns and not just sit back and be passive. You have to be, you know, uh, on the offense and mm-hmm. go after what you want, tell people what you want. Don't just sit back and expect that your higher ups just know automatically that you want to advance. Not everybody. That's does. right. So you and
1: even to, telling people isn't yes. always, I, isn't always the solution.
0: No, they'll listen to you.
1: They'll nod your head, but it does help.
0: But it and, also uh, helps no, if you definitely. go to them and say, I want this. And this is what exactly. I'm doing on my own mm-hmm. to work yep. towards that.
1: A um, good manager will help you get there. A, a, sure. a, a so-so manager will listen and tell
0: you good luck. A bad manager mm-hmm.
1: will um, criticize you because they're afraid of what it's taking from them.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, you can't just sit back and wait. You, you have to take the, take the reins and make it happen. And like you were saying, your examples of taking whatever courses were available mm-hmm. from the company, my company offered tuition reimbursement. So they paid for me to go to college, you know? Yep. So yeah, take advantage of those opportunities and, and don't just sit back and be passive. Um, and I forgot what the other one was that I was going to summarize. <laughs> um, uh, I don't, I don't I think you know, don't be but afraid, I know you were, don't be afraid to ask for what you want and mm-hmm. don't be afraid to counter offer. That was, that was huge. Yeah. Don't be afraid, yeah, to I think a lot of it, especially in this day and age with the job market, the way it is go yeah. big or go home because chances are you're gonna, they're not going to say no.
1: Everybody should counter offer. Yeah. I mean, and you're correct. I mean, we have a huge turnover in a particular country. I won't name any names, you know, and because people are getting, you know, 30% more, Mm -hmm. you know, in an offer. So people should not be afraid, especially in the year 2022 to, to counter offer and to counter offer at least 10% more than what you may be making now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, the problem with staying within your own company is you get, you start to get caught up in the corporate politics, whether your manager wants to or not, we all get caught up in corporate politics and the corporate politics are around who gets promoted the following year. Mm -hmm. But again, all of that is decided. Most, most of it, I I already know because the conversations are already happening now and they'll go on uh, two more months and everybody who is getting promoted next year will already be in the pool, Mm -hmm. the list of names. So, so that is, uh, that's also very important. Another piece of advice, Tammy, and I know, and, and David, my boyfriend says it all the time, which is really, really good advice. If you want to, if if you're not an expert or want to become an expert, you know, his feedback all the time is find out who's the best at what you want to do and become their mentor or, or do it for free or you know, do it cheaper or, you know.
0: Their mentor that, or their mentee?
1: They would be your mentor. Would be or you would be their mentor. mentee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So find somebody who is the most successful at what you want to do and and learn everything you can from them. Mm-hmm. I know that's what he did. You know, uh, when I think back on my career, I mean, I don't have, and you know, and this has been just a challenge, but it's the truth is I've never had a ton of peers that I could look up to, but the few that I did, um, I can tell you, all you have to do is start talking, doing some of the same things. And before you know it, you're, you know, you're being viewed as someone who knows what the hell they're talking about. I mean, I'm self-taught at just about everything I do hmm So again, it's, you know, I was a self-taught developer. Uh, you know, I, I went into BA project management, self-taught, I mean, you know, pick up a book, start reading, you know, I didn't know project, but was I going to let not knowing one tool define, uh, or eliminate me as a candidate for a job? No, I worked my way through those things. You know, there's, yeah. there's enough courses out there to at least you can talk the talk well enough and then learn it later. Right. But don't, um, yeah, but make sure, you know, that's another thing that people don't do is, uh, and I I struggle with this anyway, because there's a lot of things that I do or can do that you can't put on a resume or they don't, it doesn't translate in a resume. Um, So that's why I always say, you've got to really hone in on exactly on a resume, what you're, your most badass skill set is <laughs> because yeah. we all do, we all wear a lot of hats, but it's not going to come through again on accomplishments or where, where you're really bringing that value in if you list a hundred things. Mm-hmm. So it has to be where you really, um, possess the most experience.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, and be confident. I think you said, you know, fake it till you make it. I think Mm -hmm. that, I think that goes a lot towards confidence because sometimes we don't always have that confidence. I certainly have more than I ever have in, in the past, but you know, there's still things that I'm nervous about, especially talking money. Like I get nervous, like, you know, you helped me recently with a situation that I was in where I had a potential opportunity and, you know, I wanted to kind of go in right off the bat and say, look, this is my expectation of salary. Can you meet, can you even meet this or get Mm -hmm. close to it? They didn't even counter. They were just like, not in the budget. That's not (laughs) in our budget, which I had a feeling could happen because I knew that what I was bringing to the table was a whole lot more than what they were looking for initially. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen, which is why I wanted to just start off right after I didn't want to have to have some awkward conversations with other people if they were not even going to be able to meet my salary requirements. And I don't think I was asking for anything ridiculous at all, considering Mm -hmm. what I would have been doing for the company and the experience that I have in that area. So, but it was still, I was still scared when I sent that, you know, (laughs) I was still like, are they going to freak out? Is this too much? Like, no, it definitely, for where I am in life, that is not too much. It was not too much. So anyway, um, I
1: know, but we get like that and
0: especially women.
1: um, And again, because um, we're not, you know, no one is taught in school um, how to negotiate a salary, Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, uh, and again, I may be gender uh, labeling and I don't, I don't really care, but guys somehow go through this all through their life. We don't, we're, you know, they do it. Um, And maybe it's because they play more sports. I have no idea.
0: I don't know why it is either.
1: But they tend to be very, they just have a, they just be, it's just there. It's like instinctual, they just do it. They. I mean, all you have to do is sit and hear guys speak. And even for me, it may sound pointless sometimes. (laughs) But they have this own, their own way of, of communicating and talking. And they all, like I said, they throw out numbers. They talk about this. Um, even guys um, can have, they, they don't have as many arguments as even girls. We tend to be a little bit more catty and, mm-hmm. and, and hold on to it longer than them. But for whatever reason, um, if I was to learn anything from a man, I would say, teach me how, you know, your negotiation yeah. skills. Yeah. Uh, because we're just not taught that
0: they hear that you know their counterpart three you know desks down or whatever is making a little bit more than them instead of looking at that person and saying oh you're an asshole because you're making more than me no they go to the boss and say hey why is he making more than me I need to make Mm -hmm. that amount of money too and it's not illegal to talk about that I don't know if you realize that it is not illegal to talk about Mm -hmm. what you make at work it's taboo
1: yeah, because it's not illegal at doesn't all. doesn't want
0: you to know that that guy three
1: That's right. desk
0: down is making more because they, it's not fair.
1: It's not illegal. It's not and fair. most people are not even signing uh, any type of disclosure or a non-disclosure agreement. Right. You know, even when you, because most people, unless you're making a huge, you know, salary and you're coming in at a particular level, you're not signing any type of, type of contract at all. Right. So you're correct. It's not illegal, and and unless you're signing a uh, non-disclosure agreement, it. you can talk about it too. Yep. Um,
0: women will do that. Women will blame the girl down, you know, at the other desk instead of saying, "Oh, wait, let me go talk to the boss," because we're yeah. uncomfortable talking to the boss about that. Yeah, and that's what we have to overcome, and that's where yep. we have to maybe fake that confidence until you see mm-hmm. it in action, like you did by asking for five hundred dollars more, and they said, yeah. "Yeah, sure, no problem." And you're like, "Oh, oh, okay." So next time, ask for a exact- thousand, and ask for exactly, and ask for you know, just put dip your toe in the water to build that yep. confidence. Yeah, and I was
1: probably Tammy in my late twenties when that happened and it was just such a, a weird feeling cuz i was like i thought i was really doing something badass like asking for counter offering <laughs> for just $500 more you were and when I it came and i felt it, it's so weird how that felt but i'll never forget that feeling especially when they came back and said yes yeah and then you do you have an aha moment that wait a minute um so you know most of the time you know, like I said, most of the time people are always waiting on you to counter offer. Mm-hmm. And it's the women who don't counteroffer. And a lot of times it's almost like we're accepting it like a, like a weird proposal. You know, all of a sudden it's like somebody's proposed to us and we're right. just so grateful oh, they want to me. have a proposal that we're mm-hmm. just saying, yes, well, we have to think about this, right? We're not going to get engaged to the guy that's the wrong one for us. Well, why are we just taking whatever crumbs that has been thrown at us? as well, but it tends to, it tends to happen. And like I said, we don't, uh, we don't negotiate and, um, and, and for whatever reason, women just aren't looking around. We tend to just take whatever is first offered to us as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a really hard one, uh, to, to work through because you have to be willing again. It goes back to my saying, you have to be willing to walk away from the deal. Mm-hmm. And I am actually currently in the job market. I'm currently looking and going back to the conversation and the crux of this uh, of why we're meeting today, right is the value is I know my value. I know where it is. And I have a lot of people calling and lowballing. And uh, even today, and I can, you know, even today, I I probably over the last few months have had about five calls where people do ask right away. uh, Again, the salary, I give the range, they can't make the range and I can't go lower. Part of me wants to be like, maybe I should go, you know, there's this weird thing in my guts, even though I know that's better, that after about the fourth or fifth conversation, like maybe I should go lower, but I'm thinking, No, I know what I'm going to eventually eventually get. Don't give them the best of what they're going to be getting, right? Somebody who's an expert, a senior in their field for cheap. Yeah. Go find someone else and regret it later. So even now it is a weird feeling that I have to go through, but I'm more than willing now to stick to my guns. Now, when Mm -hmm. you're, when you have a job, is really when you should look for a job Yes, because when you don't have a job, you're making decisions off of an emotion out of a fearful emotion Mm -hmm. because then you're like, how am I going to pay my bills? And so every it's fear-based. And by the way, job hunting takes a long time. Um, The one thing that I always try to tell people, especially because a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm not ready yet to job hunt. I'm thinking you're a fool because it takes like three or four months just to get a job. So by the time you're ready, you know, I, it could be too late because w- whatever they're going through. So like I said, it's, I, I mean, and I just explained to you earlier, you know, e- cause I'm job hunting and I just went through like a seven week process, three interviews for this one particular position I was vying for. I mean, this, it takes a long time. And so even if I was to have accepted a job offer, granted, this is another example where they couldn't meet the salary, even though I thought they could, and that's a different story. But at the end of the day, I had to be, the job was mine, but because they couldn't meet the minimum salary, I can't accept it. Now, now, even if I would have, if they could have met it and everything would have matched, you know, I'm giving, you know, in the U.S., we give two, three week notices. Um, that's pretty standard, uh, across the board, unless you're a C level, you know, person, but, um, still that's a, like a two month process. That's what I'm explaining. And, and uh, so that's why people really should look for jobs, um, way sooner than what they, when they think that they're ready. Cause like mm-hmm. I said, yep. like I said, I would go through the whole process of paying someone that extra money to put together all those, um, you know, documents for you, uh, the, the resume, the cover letter, the thank you note, the, yeah. someone that helps you with um, your LinkedIn, you know, profile, and then, um, how you do know, and you... then you have to look, and
0: go ahead. Sorry, I just um, didn't want to cut you off, I'm sorry, but That's I okay. did want to ask um, how you go about finding someone to help you with your resume. <laughs>
1: Google, I mean there's nothing there's nothing crazy there. I do look for reviews and ratings. Mm -hmm. I do think it's important to to find someone that has has had good feedback.
0: Do you use the same one every time? Or do you look for a new one every time?
1: I look for a new one every time. Mm -hmm. I I don't know why. There's no method to the madness because I think, oh, maybe they'll because usually it's every two to three years anyway that I'm updating my resume. Mm -hmm. So and actually I just the person that I used late last year happened to be somebody that I had chosen at some point because I had an account there, but I didn't remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Well, I think I'm gonna yeah. look for that. And I, I think um I think that's a great piece of advice too. It's worth mm-hmm. it sounds like it would be well worth it's worth it the money that it costs.
1: Yeah. It is, and it's about, I think, 250 or something like that. I mean, it's not a chump change, you know, for a lot of people, but um, I do think it's worth it because even now when I'm on LinkedIn, um, you know, when you're looking for jobs on LinkedIn, and especially like Easy Apply, you know, it it uses the last resume that you, you know, use to apply for jobs. And so it's so easy now just to kind of go grab that resume and I wasn't always sure. I wasn't sure recently how it fared, you know, because you're like, is this is this okay? Um, but I've had also good feedback from um, recruiters or hiring managers that said, you know, my resume looked good. So I felt I felt good about um, overall the resume and then the person, the company that I chose.
0: Well, with electronic, um, you know, the recruiting websites and everything that they have now a lot of your resumes are being scanned electronically first before they're even presented to somebody they're looking for certain keywords certain things so an expert yeah. can definitely help with that so
1: that and that's true and that's why I use um, a resume company because to your point every year those buzzwords or keywords mm-hmm.
0: change mm-hmm.
1: and they're on top of um,
0: the keywords. Yep. And you're absolutely right. You're right. So that's definitely a good idea. Hmm. Awesome. So I asked this question of all my guests and what? I'm going to ask you, uh, where do you find your strength? Where does your strength come from? Like hereditary wise? <laughs> no, just where, you know, or your motivation, your drive your, you know, where, what, what gives you that, that push,
1: man, girl, I, it's been since I was young. I mean, um, because, uh, you know, I could, my mom was an insanely hard worker still is to this day. Who's 80 piddles in the yard way more than she should. You know, my dad was a, I call a Jack of all trades, master of none. So, but it honestly started when I was young. I can remember being, uh, you know, young and I had to have everything organized and in its place in my room. I have always, you know, uh, it's always been there, Uh, but I think it came early on. Um, You know, my mom had us do chores, yard work, chores. I mean, everything was, um, I'm very duty driven anyway. Um, You know, I was a single parent. So you didn't have much chance to screw off. You know, you had kids to raise. And so I just focused on uh, my, I've focused a lot on my career, career working out and then, um, you know, and my kids for a very, very long time. But um, I don't know, the drive just, I keep always wanting more. I mean, even today, even at 48, I'm, I'm constantly striving to. To do more, to do better, to make more money, to you know, be more fit than I was yesterday. I mean, it is—it's just there every day.
0: (laughs) She was born with it, or was it Maybelline? (laughs) We didn't even get to get into your fitness and all that. Yeah, too. Like, gosh, this girl can give us a lot of advice in a lot of areas.
1: But I think a lot of things is, is related. It's all somewhat, you know, semi-related. You're...
0: Well, I'm not gonna take yeah. up any more of your time and I really, okay. really appreciate this. I think it's been a fantastic conversation and I can't wait to uh, publish it. I, I, cool. I don't think it's gonna require a lot of editing, which is awesome. So. <laughs> I think it's going to go up on Tuesday.
1: All right, girl. Can't wait. All right. I love you. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.